You are listening to Rock and Roll Flashback with your hosts, Jumpin' John McDermott and Bill Price. Thank you for that introduction and welcome to Rock and Roll Flashback. I'm Jumpin' John and we'll be looking back at some of rock and roll's greatest artists, songs, and stories. Today's podcast is called Phil Spector Part 1, and I will be discussing Phil Spector's influential career in music production. Be sure to check out our companion podcast, Phil Spector Part 2, where I will focus on Spector's famous wall of sound recording technique. Phil Spector undoubtedly had numerous character flaws. My concentration in these two podcasts will be on his music, not his character. Phil Spector is best known for his innovative recording practices in the 1960s. Spector developed the Wall of Sound, a production style that was characterized for its dense orchestral sound. He is regarded as one of the most influential figures in pop music history and one of the most successful producers of the 1960s. Harvey Philip Spector was born in the Bronx, New York City in 1939. In 1953, his widowed mother moved the family to Los Angeles. One of the co-owners of Gold Star Studios in Hollywood, Stan Ross, began to tutor the teenaged Spectre in record production. Ross had a major influence on Spectre's production style. In 1958, Spectre formed a group, the Teddy Bears, with friends Sandy Nelson, Marshall Lieb, and Annette Kleinbard. The band signed a recording deal with Era Records. Their single, To Know Him Is To Love Him, reached number one on Billboard Hot 100 Singles Chart on December 1, 1958, and sold over a million copies by the end of the year. The song title came from Spectre's father's grave headstone, but that is another story. Following the success of this hit, the group signed with Imperial Records. Their next single, I Don't Need You Anymore, only reached number 91. The Teddy Bears released several more recordings but failed to reach the top 100 in U.S. sales and disbanded in 1959. Phil then went to New York City. In 1961, after working as an apprentice to Lieber and Stoller, Spectre co-founded Phil Less Records with Lester Sill. Phil Less Records, spelled P-H-I-L, L.E.S., combined the first names of its two founders. At the age of 21, Phil Spector had become the youngest ever U.S. label owner to that point. Spector co-wrote the Ben E. King Top Ten hit, Spanish Harlem, with Lieber. He also worked as a session musician, playing the guitar solo on the Drifters' number nine hit, On Broadway. Phil's early production work included releases by Laverne Baker, Ruth Brown, and Billy Storm, as well as the Top Notes original recording of Twist and Shout. Lieber and Stoller recommended Spectre to produce Ray Peterson's Corinne Corina, which reached number nine in January 1961. 
Later, he produced another major hit for Curtis Lee, Pretty Little Angel Eyes, which made it to number seven. By 1962, Spectre was back in Los Angeles. Phil managed to secure The Crystals for his new label. Their first single, There's No Other Like My Baby, reached number 20. Their next release, Uptown, made it to number 13. In 1962, Spectre also produced Secondhand Love by Connie Francis, which reached number 7. In 1962, Spectre briefly took a job as an A&R producer for Liberty Records. It was while working at Liberty that he heard a song written by Gene Pitney. The song, He's a Rebel, was due to be released on Liberty by Vicki Carr. Spectre quickly went to Gold Star Studios and recorded a version using Darlene Love and the Blossoms on lead vocals. The record was released on Phyllis attributed to the Crystals, and quickly rose to number one. By this time, Lester Sill was out of the company, and Spectre had Phil Less all to himself. Phil created a new act, Bobby Sox, spelled S-O-X-X, and the Blue Jeans, featuring Darlene Love, Thanita James, and Bobby Sheen. The group had minor hits with number eight, Zippity Doodah, number 38, Why Do Lovers Break Each Other's Heart, and number 63, Not Too Young to Get Married. In 1963, Spectre also released solo material by Darlene Love and the masterful Be My Baby by the Ronettes, which went to number two on the charts. Be My Baby was the first time that Spectre recorded with a full orchestra. In September 1963, Spectre heard the Righteous Brothers perform in San Francisco. He was so impressed with Bill Medley and Bobby Hatfield that he bought their contract from Moonglow Records and signed them to Phil Less. In early 1965, You've Lost That Love and Feeling became Phil Less's second number one single. Three more major hits with the duo followed. Number nine, Just Once in My Life. Number four, Unchained Melody, and number five, Ebb Tide. Check out our podcast episode about the Righteous Brothers for more information. Spectre's final signing to Phil S. was the team of Ike and Tina Turner in April 1966. Tina Turner recorded the single River Deep Mountain High without Ike. Phil always considered the recording of River Deep Mountain High to be his best work. The song only reached number 88 in the U.S., but it was more successful in Britain, reaching number three. In 1967, Spectre released another single by Ike and Tina Turner, I'll Never Need More Than This. He attempted to move Phyllis to A&M Records, but the deal did not work out. Spectre then withdrew temporarily from the music business. In 1968, Phil Spector married Veronica Ronnie Bennett, lead singer of the Ronettes. Then in 1970, the new manager of the Beatles, Alan Klein, brought Spector to England. Phil produced John Lennon's solo single, Instant Karma, which went to number three. 
He was then asked by Lennon and George Harrison to work on the Beatles' abandoned Let It Be recording sessions. Using many of his production techniques, Spector made some changes to the arrangements and sound of some songs. The Let It Be album, released a month after the Beatles' breakup, topped the U.S. and U.K. charts. It also yielded the number one U.S. single, The Long and Winding Road. Spector's overdubbing of The Long and Winding Road really upset Paul McCartney. However, John Lennon defended Spector, saying, and I quote, He was given the shittiest load of badly recorded shit with a lousy feeling toward it ever. And he made something out of it. He did a great job, end quote. In 1970, for Harrison's number one album, All Things Must Pass, Spector helped provide a symphonic feel. Spector only recorded the basic tracks, leaving for health reasons, but returned to mix the final product. The LP yielded two major songs, number one hit, My Sweet Lord, and number 10 hit, What Is Life? That same year, Spector co-produced Lennon's Plastic Ono Band album. That album reached number six and was produced without any wall of sound extravagance. Spector was briefly made head of A&R for Apple Records. He held the post for only a year, during which he co-produced Lennon's 1971 single, Power to the People, which reached number 11, and Lennon's number one album, Imagine. The album's title track, Imagine, hit number three. With Harrison, Spector co-produced Harrison's number 23 song, Bangladesh. He also produced his wife, Ronnie Spector's Try Some, Buy Some, but it only reached number 77. Ronnie Spector was planning to make an LP on Apple Records, but Phil was drinking heavily and Ronnie's album never was finished. That same year, Spector oversaw the live recording of Harrison's concert for Bangladesh shows in New York City, which resulted in the number one album, The Concert for Bangladesh. The album won the Album of the Year Award at the 1973 Grammys. Despite being recorded live, Spector used up to 44 microphones simultaneously to create his trademark wall of sound. Lennon retained Spector for the 1971 Christmas single, Happy Christmas, War is Over, and for the 1972 album, Sometime in New York City. Sometime only reached number 48, and Lennon and Yoko Ono's Happy Christmas single similarly stalled in sales. However, Happy Christmas has since grown in popularity, becoming an annual Christmas favorite. Spector would attempt to work on other albums with Lennon and Harrison, but his unreliability soon led to them dropping Spector's involvement. Compounding things were serious injuries that Spector sustained in a 1974 car crash. These injuries, along with his erratic behavior and drug use, no doubt further contributed to Spector's reclusiveness. He did manage to produce three LPs in the 1970s. They were Dion DiMucci's Born to Be With You, Leonard Cohen's Death of a Ladies' Man, 
and the Ramones, end of the century. Spectre remained largely inactive throughout most of the 1980s, 1990s, and early 2000s. Then on February 3rd, 2003, Phil Spectre shot and killed actress Lana Clarkson. He was convicted of murder on April 13, 2009, and was sentenced to 19 years to life in prison. Phil Spector died while in prison on January 16, 2021, at the age of 81. Now a few words about Phil Spector's recordings. Spector's trademark during his recording career was the so-called Wall of Sound. Basically, the Wall of Sound was a production technique that produced a dense, layered effect. Spectre would assemble large groups of musicians playing some instruments not generally used for ensemble playing, such as electric and acoustic guitars. The musicians would play orchestrated parts, often doubling and tripling many instruments playing in unison. This created a fuller sound. Spectre himself called his technique, and I quote, a Wagnerian approach to rock and roll, little symphonies for the kids, end quote. I will discuss the Wall of Sound in greater detail in our companion podcast, Phil Spector Part 2. Spector directed the overall sound of his recordings using a core group of ever-changing session players who would later be known as the Wrecking Crew. Check out our four-episode podcast series for more information about the Wrecking Crew session musicians. Spectre worked frequently with engineer Larry Levine, and he often delegated arrangements to Jack Nietzsche. Sonny Bono of Sonny and Cher fame also assisted in production, and Sonny and Cher were both backing vocalists on the Be My Baby recording. Spectre frequently used songs from songwriters employed at New York City's Brill Building and at Alden Music. This included the songwriting teams of Ellie Greenwich and Jeff Berry, Barry Mann and Cynthia Wheel, and Jerry Goffin and Carol King. He often worked with these songwriters, receiving co-credit and publishing royalties for compositions. Check out our four-episode podcast series for more information about the Brill Building songwriters. Spectre preferred mono recording techniques. He was opposed to the recording trend toward stereo production, saying that it took control of the record sound away from the producer in favor of the listener. Sometimes a pair of horns or strings would be double-tracked multiple times to sound like an entire string or horn section. The muddy background in the final product sometimes could not be distinguished as either horns or strings. Spectre also greatly preferred singles to albums, describing LPs as, and I quote, two hits and ten pieces of junk, end quote. Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys thought of Spectre as, and again I quote, the single most influential producer. He's timeless. He makes a milestone whenever he goes into the studio, end quote. Wilson's fascination with Spectre's work has persisted for decades, with several references to Spectre and his work to be found 
in Wilson's songs. Spectre is one of a select group of producers to have number one records in three consecutive decades, the 1950s, the 1960s, and the 1970s. Over his career, Phil produced 18 U.S. top 10 singles for various artists. His number one hits included The Righteous Brothers, You've Lost That Love and Feelin', The Beatles, The Long and Winding Road, and Harrison's My Sweet Lord. Spectre helped establish the role of the studio as an instrument. He is also credited with the integration of pop art aesthetics into music. Phil Spector's honors include the 1973 Grammy Award for Album of the Year for co-producing Harrison's Concert for Bangladesh, a 1989 induction by Tina Turner into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, a 1997 induction into the Songwriters Hall of Fame, a Grammy Trustees Award in 2000. In 2004, Spectre was ranked number 63 on Rolling Stone's list of the greatest artists in history. This has been Rock and Roll Flashback, an episode entitled Phil Spectre Part 1, where I reviewed the influential music production career of Harvey Philip Spectre. Be sure to check out our companion podcast, Phil Spectre Part 2, where I will focus in greater detail on Spectre's famous wall of sound recording technique. I'm Jumpin' John McDermott, and until next time, rock on, rock on, rock on, rock on, rock on, rock on. Rock on.